Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show. Good afternoon. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, and this is Conversations with Cynthia. So glad that you are taking some time to listen, whether it be live on the radio or through your computer on some of the various podcasts that we have. I'm really thankful that you are listening to this particular topic because I think it's very, very helpful in terms of just lifestyle and really getting some good what we call mental hygiene, emotional hygiene, some really good habits that help us to be who God's called us to be. And yesterday we talked about all kinds of things to give up if you actually want to be happy. And I want to to, uh, give you the last one because I didn't get enough time yesterday. And oh my goodness, before I forget, I keep forgetting to remind all of you to please make sure if your organization or spiritual group needs any kind of keynote speaker, I love to do that for you. And I sing as well when I do it. I give an inspirational song that kind of matches the the content of the talk. And I can usually tailor make it to whatever it is that your group is needing or whatever God is laying on your heart. So make sure you don't forget that. And you can contact me, obviously, through the website. So this last thing that we want to make sure that we give up, and this is an important one, excuse me, is this idea of needing to give up your life to other people's expectations. And there's logic in it, but it's not really logical because it doesn't lead to a very positive result. So this giving up all the things that you love, all the things you want, all the things you wait things to be so that other people's expectations are met is this illogical feedback loop that says, if I do that, then maybe it will come back to me. Maybe I get to have what I need. Maybe I get to have what I want. And so there's way too many of us that are living a life that's really not our life. We're living someone else's life. We're living it for them, with them, about them. And they live their lives according to what other things is best for them. And this is not what we want to do. There's many people, they live their lives according to what their parents think is best, what their friends think, their enemies, their teachers, the government, churches, media. Oh, my goodness, that's a big one that tries to tell us how we should be looking and living and thinking and acting and what we should wear and buy and how much money we should make, what we should think. And we end up ignoring our own inner voice, that inner calling. And we're so busy pleasing everyone and trying to live up to their expectations that we lose control of our own lives. And we forget even maybe what makes us happy. Maybe what we want, what's important to us. And we feel like we always have to justify what's important to us. And see, everyone's unique. You don't have to justify to anyone what is the thing that grabs your attention, makes you happy. I know some people, they love to mountain bike. Okay, that doesn't make me happy. That that would not make me happy. I like to ride bikes. When we went to San Diego, the house that we were 
staying in had bikes so Michael and I could ride our bikes down to the beach and it was fun but that would not be an extracurricular activity for me I think it's amazing I can't believe they can pull it off especially mountain biking or any kind of biking we've got the world tour going on right now soccer wow that's phenomenal and so I want you to think about you have one life and it's this one right now And it's the only life you get in this form until you go to heaven. You need to live it. You need to own it. And don't let others' opinions and expectations distract you from your path. Now, always remember when I'm telling you these things. I'm talking to you in in the, I'm encapsulating it with a moral code. So this is why it's important. It doesn't mean that I live selfishly. Because that doesn't actually make anyone happy anyways. But I want you to think about, especially if you're one of those types of people that's more sensitive, kinder, um, doesn't like to hurt people, likes people to be happy. You have to be especially careful when you cross that elusive line into now I'm doing everything for everyone else's life and I don't know where my life went. That's what I'm talking about. So these are the things we're giving up, okay? These are the things that we are giving up to let more contentment, peace, joy, happiness into our life. So let's move on to this next kind of a different way of looking at it that I think is going to be extremely uh, helpful. Now, I'm finding that I may expand this to next week because this is quite an important fundamental uh, concept, this happiness quotient and everyone wanting to be happy. So it does merit time. So we may take this into, into next week. We'll see. But I want to introduce to you habits that block your happiness and how to learn to let go of them and what habits to stop doing and how we make a new habit instead. So this is, this is done by um, Psychology and Mindset, and they really put together a pretty extensive and very comprehensive list of habits that you have that might seem kind of subtle that block happiness. And so the first one of those, this is a lack of self-love. See, every time you judge yourself, you break your own heart. Hating yourself is like drinking poison. It slowly kills your mind, your body, and your soul. And hating yourself has to be learned. It's come from somewhere because it doesn't naturally come from humans. And this may go all the the way back to childhood. This may be a therapy issue. This may be something that you need to, to see a professional about that says, you know, I don't know why, but I have this internal hatred. I just hate myself. I just don't like anything about myself I just constantly am trying to distract myself from myself and because see there's no amount of money or or material possessions there's no experience or wonderful relationship that's going to give you happiness when you hate yourself see if you can't stand the person you spend every waking moment with 
there won't be enough wonderful, great things, money, acclaim, accomplishment, that will give you any lasting feelings of happiness. All that self-hatred will, will suck it down into the abyss and you'll have to go back out and try to get more in order to get over that self-hatred. So it's this unconditional love that we have to give to ourselves. An unconditional love does not mean unconditional permission to do anything I want to do because that's not really truly love. Unconditional love is what we get from God. That doesn't mean he's happy with everything we do. I mean, it doesn't mean he's proud of everything we do. But that has absolutely nothing to do with his love. And if you can't love yourself through your own mistakes or love yourself enough to value and care for you, because remember, we've talked about this a lot, the greatest expression of love is caring for who God cares about caring for you. If you can't get the feeling of love, then simply start caring for you. The same way you might care for someone else, same way you might care for a pet. I, I have many people that have come through my office, doctors and nurses, caregivers of all kinds that struggle with self-hatred. And when they actually got it turned around and I said, the very thing you love doing for these people, if you were to do that back to yourself, you would be amazed at how much more you had to give to these people and how much more healing you would be to them. Because you would be giving out of an abundance, not out of an abyss. Because we all know when people are going through the motions, right? They're acting like they love you, but they're just going through the motions. You don't feel it in your gut, and you walk away empty. So if you don't get anything out of this whole entire week, this is it. This is the crux of it all. Self-love. If Jesus didn't love himself, he would have never been able to do what he needed to do. He could not have effectively given himself up for the whole entire creation if he didn't love who God loves, which was also him. So God loves the son. The son loved himself. And in that, he was able to love all these people to the point of the deepest forgiveness that anyone has ever seen or felt. On the cross, he's forgiving. He's saying, forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. That's how deep his love is for us. So there's a difference between self-love and self-indulgence. We're not talking about that. that. That doesn't make anyone feel good. If I give myself all the pleasure-seeking things, that's not self-love. And if any of you have children, you know that there's a lot of things you would love to give them because it would be so pleasurable for them, but it might not be very good for them. How many times have we seen people overfeed their pets and we think, that's not love. That's not loving them. We know why they're doing it. It's fun. We love to give that pet pleasure. We love to take care of this pet. But are we really taking care of them? So self-love is all about care, caring. 
So you need to know you well enough to know what you need. Everybody has different needs. What you need may not be what I need. And for me, I'm an introvert. I need more time by myself. Otherwise, I'm not a good version of myself. For my friends that are extroverts, they get too much time by themselves. It's very stressful on them. They need time interacting. My extroverted friends need time with me. So you want to think about the uniqueness of you. So if you were to care for you, what is it that you actually need that causes you to be stronger, healthier, far more moral, right? Much more compassionate much more flexible, less judgmental. Because the more cared for you feel, then whatever care you get from others is just icing on the cake. So that you're not going into those relationships so needy they could never give you enough love. Because you're not filling up the initial love tank yourself. This is a really, really important habit that is going to get in the way of you being happy. And that's complaining. And we talked about that a little bit yesterday, and this is what Abraham Lincoln says about it. He says, we complain because rose bushes have thorns or because thorn bushes have roses. <laughs> He's brilliant. He's brilliant. I love this. We complain because rose bushes have thorns, or we rejoice because thorn bushes have roses. So how do you want to look at it, positively or negatively? Do you want to be so thankful that this horrible thorny bush has beautiful flowers that come from it, or do you want to complain about these beautiful flowers that are surrounded by thorns, and I can't get to the flower as well because of the thorns? So when it comes to complaining, always, always remember where your attention goes and where your energy flows. Because this is a really important statement. Wherever your energy flows, something grows. I mean, that's brilliant. Wherever your energy grows, something grows there. Because complaining has energy, it's just that it's negative. So if you start complaining about something, you're going to grow that thing you're complaining about. Energy creates life. So stop directing your energy negatively by focus on, focusing on what you don't like and what you don't want. Because you only magnify the problems and create more of the same. This goes back to what we talked about yesterday. We change the things we can. We accept the things we can't. So I'm not going to continue to complain about things that are never, ever going to change. It's like complaining about the weather in Phoenix. If you're listening uh, from some other state... Arizona is one of the hottest places to live. Dry heat, very, very hot. It's 104 yesterday on our patio in the morning. And it's hot. So we can all complain and commiserate about the heat, which sometimes is fun, right, if we do it for a couple minutes or if we're in awe of it. Or we can recognize that we live in, in a state, in especially the, Phoenix of, the city of Phoenix, that is so easy to get around in 
and casual in the way so we can dress up a whole bunch if we want and we don't have to if we don't want to we're not taking like all kinds of axes and saws and things to scrape off ice and you know not being able to get out of our house because the snow is so bad or rain that is ruining everything we've owned you know we have monsoons which are glorious but we can either complain about the heat or we can recognize what that's offered us that we have a pretty easy lifestyle here in so many ways. So replace the habit of complaining with the ritual of giving thanks. So whatever it is that you're going to complain about, and you can even do this as a, as a game. You can complain, like I said, sometimes I complain for two minutes. And then I think about every single thing I'm thankful for. So one of the things when uh, Michael and I were driving back from San Diego and we get into, into Arizona, into Phoenix... And I was like, this is so hot. But then I thought to myself, I looked at the city. We have one of the cleanest cities in the nation. And our roads, our highways, our grid system, our city planners have done such an amazing job of planning out this city. It is so easy to get around. So you can always, if you need to complain about something just to get it out, replace it with something you're very thankful for, which then dilutes the energy of complaining. So we talked a little bit about uh, blaming yesterday, but I want to read you a great quote, and this is by George Bernard Shaw. He says, people are always blaming their circumstances for what they are. I don't believe in circumstances. The people who get on in this world are people who get up, and look for circumstances they want, and if they can't find them, they make them. I mean, that's pretty convicting. People are always blaming their circumstances for what they are, for why they are the way they are, for why their life is this. They're blaming all these circumstances. He says, I don't believe in circumstances. The people who get on in this world are the people who get up and look for the circumstances they want. If they can't find them, they make them. See, every time you blame, your power goes away. Every time you blame, that takes power. So energy goes there. And remember what we just said. Where energy flows, something grows. So blaming your circumstances are going to create more of them. It becomes what we call that weird self-fulfilling prophecy. So this is important that we accept the moment that we're in. We choose a fresh new way of looking at things. Then we mobilize ourselves to create new circumstances and experiences that will align with what we desire. And we keep modifying as we go. It's kind of like if, if I'm driving from here to New York City and I've never done it before, I'm going to have to make some adjustments as I go. I have a general idea of where I want to be. But there's going to be some circumstances that come that either help me get there or inhibit. And so all along the way, I'm going to have to find ways to create new circumstances and not blame a circumstances as to why I never made it to New York City and got lost in Arkansas and stayed there. So let's go, let's take this even farther. This is the need to look good. 
okay, this is, th- these are some circumstances, right? You might think you walk out of the house looking really good. You go to the party and you find out that there's prettier, more good-looking people than you there. And so this looking good-itis, it's like a disease. Now, I'm not saying that you don't put yourself together, please. You know, I, I, I get a little weary of the, you know, everybody looks like they just got out of bed in the morning and that's the best they show up in. They haven't washed their clothes for three days and they've never washed their hair or they show up in their pajamas, right? We're not talking about that extreme. We're talking about you just look the best that you can look and that's, what, that's the goal. Instead of focusing on how other people are going to view you, where do I rank in, okay, I go into the party, here's all the 10 women, am I number two, am I number 10, am I number five? Instead of just saying, I'm only competing with myself. So expend effort only on understanding who you are, what's most important to you, and looking the best you really are. That means caring about yourself. Caring about yourself. And generally what you will find, and you may have experienced this, there may be some people that initially look unattractive to you. But as you get to know them, all of a sudden they're attractive. I mean, they may not be a supermodel. And then there may be something, some people that are so beautiful. And I've had this experience before where a woman uh, walked into my office. This is when I was uh, in the fashion industry. And she was wanting to be an assistant buyer. And she was beautiful. One of the most beautiful women. Stunning, actually. As soon as she started opening her mouth, she became one of the ugliest people I'd ever seen. I couldn't hire her. So you have to remember, this is not about comparing ourselves to others. This is comparing ourselves to, our, our, to ourselves, so that we don't get so caught up in this whole need to look good and competing with everybody else. I'm so thankful for this, this new kind of, uh, maybe within the last couple of years of accepting different people's body types and that we're not all striving to be one body type that we're looking the best we can look at that body type. So we're going to end there today, but we're going to pick up, I think, on Monday because there is more to say about this. And this goes hand in hand with this idea of this getting away from this need to look good all the time, is that we want to then stop the habit of poor physical care and bad physical habits. Because the best way to age yourself, the best way to not like yourself, the best way to get into worse behaviors, more self-sabotaging behaviors, is to not take care of your body. It's the same as not taking care of your car. How do you feel when you get out to your car and it doesn't turn on? Or you have a flat tire and then the tire in the trunk is flat too. And then you forgot to pay the insurance, so now what are you going to do, ride the bus? So it's imperative that we practice good physical habits because you are worth it. And you just need to do a little bit a day. We don't have to get extreme. We just need to do things that are in reason. So this is Cynthia High with Conversations with Cynthia. I'm so glad I got to join you today. And I hope you have a wonderful weekend. And I am going to talk to you on Monday Have a blessed, blessed weekend and a safe one. 
Make sure you really begin to put into practice these things about what to do, what not to do, and increase your happiness quotient. God bless you so much. Thanks, Jeremy. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember... Be your own best version. Yeah.